When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that knows Prince Charles is from a polo thing. It's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get those perks! Yeah, they do! Patrons get those perks! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. She's from up north. Well, sort of. It's a bit south, really, of north, which is basically west. It's Alice Ginevra McKelly! G'day, g'day, g'day! Hey, Alice, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for Thanks. being on. Uh, you may notice Andrew is not with us today, uh, and he had to uh, take some recovery time from vaccination, which many people are having to do. And uh, so we know that he's on his way to recovery on that, but it's going to be Alice and I uh, carrying the show today. Alice is, by the way, a writer uh, for SifPop.com. And uh, tell me a little bit about how you kind of got involved with the website and started writing for movies and your love of movies. Like, when did, you know... How did you develop all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in terms of my love of movies, that developed unexpectedly, I'd say. Um, when I was, from when I was very little, I it was just part of my everyday. So m- my dad and I would go to the movies once a week. We'd go to the movies, see whatever was out. It didn't really matter. And that was just part of my like everyday life. And then at home, mum and I just consumed so much TV, movies, it was just something I loved. And inadvertently, I always was like, oh, I want to be this when I grow up. But I real- after a while, I realized I didn't actually want to be a criminal anthropologist. <laughs> I just really liked Bones. And so, and I didn't really want to be a forensic scientist. I just really liked NCIS. Mm-hmm. So after yeah. I realized that around, you know, year 10, year 11, which is kind of like junior year-ish, um, American version. Uh, that's when I was like, "Oh, wait a mo- minute! I just really love watching movies and TV." So that that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so then I realized and just fully leaned into it. And um, in terms of uh, Sif Pop, so I was at uni studying film and you know also criminology, but that was just more again my NCIS bones love over there. <laughs> I was like, eh, "I'll do a degree in that. Uh-huh. It's fine." Yeah. Um, and I started writing, and then I was listening to Sif Pop, and I heard you guys talk about the website, and so I was just like, "You know what? I'm just gonna like." 
go to the contact us page, talk about how much I really love you guys and be like, if you need writers, I've written reviews before, I'd be up for it. And uh, the uh, old managing editor, Blake, got in contact and the rest is history. Nice. How, you've been, So you've been writing for a couple of years then uh, for the website. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been a few years now. Um, nice. I'd say like three or four now. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Well, yeah. it's good to finally have you on the show. Um, I yes. feel like this is my chance to do like late night show talk host <laughs> kind of stuff where like we had we had stuff we were talking about before the show and now I'm going to pretend like it's the first time we're talking about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but your name... Uh, is so beautiful, Alice Ginevra. Uh, like that is such oh, a cool you. name. Is there a cool story behind this name? <laughs> Why? It's funny you ask. There is. Um. So I yeah. So Alice Ginevra is actually my first name. Um. But I just go by happy to just go by Alice. Don't feel the mm-hmm. need to call me Alice Ginevra every time. Uh. But basically, Alice uh, was the name my dad picked out, and he picked it from a song, um, an Italian song. And Ginevra was the name my mum picked out, and that is actually the Italian version of Guinevere aka King Arthur's wife mm-hmm. um, and it, my name was meant to be Ginevra Alice but after my mum had given birth and was you know passed out in the hospital my dad did the birth certificate and put the name he liked most first and <laughs> the name my mum wanted second hence Alice Ginevra which you know all things considered ended up being probably the better choice when we moved from Italy, which is where I was born, uh, to Australia when I was like seven. And I can tell you right now, people have a lot less of a hard time trying to pronounce Alice than they do when they just look at the word Ginevra and they, <laughs> it's like their brain fries out a little bit. So, right. you know, in class, I'd always know that when it was my turn in the role, because I could always just hear it like it was like a pause and I would just be like, it's just Alice, just Alice. Is fine. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's amazing. Um, I wonder how, like, how much, uh, you know, after that choice was made, was there any fallout? Like, you know, arguments? Like, have they told stories to you? Because I'm sure you don't remember, but like, have they told stories yeah. to you? Like, your mom's like, I can't believe you did that. Like, <laughs> um, well, look. Not not to go into too much detail, but given it was a 48-hour labor, I don't think my mum was thinking very clearly afterwards, so she was probably like, look, the kid's out of me, uh, I, don't, I don't care anymore, Everything's as good. long as she's alive. Everything's yeah, exactly. good. That's amazing. Uh, well, I'm excited to talk movies with you today. Um, we had a good time uh, during the Sif Pop Members Only pre-show doing um, Alice's List of Shame game. That was a ton of fun. Producer Phil joined us on that one uh, for a second uh, guest to uh, guess at what your um, your movie was that you'd actually seen. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can become a Sifpop member. Um, that's at patreon.com slash Uh But I'm excited to talk about our shows today. And one of the reasons, our movies today, because it's it feels to me, and tell me, Alice, if you feel this way, it feels to me like Quiet Place 2 is the movie, at least here in America, and I know you're in Australia, that's like, oh, the movies are back. Like, there was just something that seems to have clicked with this movie where it's like, we're far enough, the numbers are down far enough, the vaccines are kicking in, people are vaccinated. Like, it just felt like, I know the showing I went to was much more full uh, than, you know, any show I've been to during the, the pandemic. I've been a couple times just before this. Uh, and even Tenet, when I went and saw Tenet in June or whatever. Um, so it feels like this is the one. It feels like this is the one where people are like, okay, movies are back. Do you kind of get that sense too? 
Uh, I have a very different experience, actually. So it's been a few months uh, here where we've pretty much been back to normal. Um, We haven't, like, the theatres have been open since pretty much November last year where I live. Um, And so it's been open for a while. And I feel like the movie that was that for us was probably around, like, Raya the Last Dragon. Like, right after the new year, people by that point were like, all right, we're good, we're good. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Yeah, and then I remember when we went to see that movie in the theater, it was like packed. So, and same with Mortal Kombat, while with A Quiet Place too. So where I live in Melbourne, Australia, um, we've been pretty much COVID free for, yeah, again, since like November. But we have had a small, small upset uh, with about 20 cases in the state. So we've gone into a snap lockdown again. Um, and A Quiet Place 2 came out the day before we went into that seven-day lockdown. Ooh, so yeah. Yes. So um, I went to see it in IMAX, actually. And it was meant to be, like, all the tickets were sold. But there was maybe a third of the amount of people there so yeah i'll be interested to see when we're out of this snap lockdown which is meant to be thursday fingers crossed how it'll be uh once that happens how's the you know it's it's what we've all been going through for you know the last 16 months so i'm always curious like on the other side of the world like how has the vaccine distribution been like how has australia been with you know getting some vaccines like how is that whole thing going Mm. with you guys Oh, our, our vaccine rollout has not been stellar. I will say that much. Um, pretty much no one I know is vaccinated. I'm not eligible to be vaccinated yet. We're still at, uh, pretty much over 50 are the only people who are able to be mm-hmm. vaccinated and under 50 as in people who are like health workers, frontline workers, disability workers, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm probably not going to be eligible until like... October, November. It's wow. it's been really slow. Yeah, our our government has not had a lot of good uh, coming at it because of that. Because we are so many less people than you guys. We have twenty million, and it's taking so long. <laughs> and basically, as well, they haven't been great with um you know subduing fears around the vaccine either. So all the older people who we have to wait to get vaccinated before us young people can get vaccinated, aren't because they're like, oh no, and we're just like. <laughs> Just get vaccinated. I want my vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so hopefully, I know that I'm in line for the Pfizer though, because I'm under 50. So under 50s get Pfizer, over 50s get um, one called AstraZeneca. So yeah. I don't right. Know yeah. The AstraZeneca is one I've heard internationally. That's not one we've had here locally, at least that I, I know of. We've had the Moderna. Mm-hmm. The Pfizer and yeah. the Johnson and Johnson, um, but yeah, it's it, that's why I'm always fascinated because you know we think we're all going through the same thing, but we really aren't. You know, like we we are experiencing the same um, you know obvious foundational pandemic, all that kind of stuff. But everybody's timelines are different. Everybody has done mm-hmm. better or worse in the initial lockdown. You know, everybody's been oh, done yeah. better or worse with the you know vaccine rollout. So it's always interesting for me to kind of check in on that kind yeah. of stuff. It's It's been, I think, especially very unique where I live. So I live in the state of Victoria um, in Australia. And so between, I would say, I think it was like June until October, we were in hard, hard lockdown. We were, I think we spent about 120 days. And I mean, like, you weren't allowed to leave the house except for grocery shopping, doctor appointments, um, and like, you know, 
caregiving sort of things mm-hmm. uh, and also one hour of exercise a day we had an 8 p.m curfew where you weren't allowed out uh, between 8 p.m and 5 a.m um, had to wear masks everywhere otherwise you got like a twenty thousand dollar fine um, and yeah and uh, we also had a 5k limit so we weren't allowed to travel outside of our five kilometer radius and that was for a long time um, I, I can tell you because I moved within those parameters and it was not fun um (laughs) but uh basically yeah and so that was really intense for us while the rest of the world was still kind of in that half like sometimes quarantining sometimes not even the rest of australia um and then we came out of it and we didn't have any cases at all in our state for a really long time but it's now happened twice where we've had to go back in to lock hard lockdown for about seven days um, just because we've had a couple of cases uh, mm-hmm. about, so this time we have about 20. Um, and so to get like, while we wait for them to be traced and like locked down and everything, we have right. to do this and then we come out, but we're, we're old hats at it now. I'll say that much. <laughs> nice. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the movies is Alice is just such an incredible human being. <laughs> I did not do any kind of time zone math uh, when I told her when the show was. She didn't say a word. It is four <laughs> o'clock in the morning in Australia right now. And yeah. like, Alice, hey, when you're on again, we'll move the show. Like, that is insane <laughs> that you're up at 4 a.m. to do this. <laughs> to, That's... to be fair, it's 4.50 now. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Oh, okay. It's almost yeah. five. You know, hey, it's yeah. almost 5 a.m. Yeah. Who isn't up by 5 a.m.? Come on. <laughs> I know, right? What kind of life are you living otherwise? That's right. How do you get anything done? Uh, Well, we appreciate your commitment. Thank you for being here. Uh, Already very much enjoying having you on the show and really excited to talk some movies. We're going to, of course, do Buried Treasure a little bit later. We've got a Best Ever Challenge. We're going to do Best Ever uh, Disney live action remakes. So small little pool, but some good conversation to have there. Uh, And then, of course, we're going to review Cruella and A Quiet Place Part Two. So let's get into it with that. So let's talk about A Quiet Place, part two. I don't know why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. Most people had finally given up hope. Following the deadly events at home, the Abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they continue their fight for survival in silence. Forced to venture into the unknown, they quickly realize that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that lurk beyond their sand path. Uh, We finally are getting Quiet Place Part 2. This was one of the first movies to push their release date when the pandemic happened, uh, like we said, like 16 months ago. This was originally supposed to come out in, uh, I think, April, like early April of 2020, maybe even late March. And, of course, is the follow-up to John Krasinski's A Quiet Place. Uh, And he's directing again, and some of the same cast, some new cast members as well, uh, including Killian Murphy. Um, What did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it? Or it was just okay, Alice? I would say I'm sitting at about midway through like it, leaning towards maybe slightly on the lower end of like it. Okay. All right. Um, Sounds like I like this a little bit more than you. I am... 
Man, I think I'm low side of loved it. I think I, I I know I'm at least high side of liked it. We'll find out the more we talk about it, kind of, you know, as we kind of verbalize what we're thinking here. But I had a really good time with this. And we were talking pre-show with producer Phil about this idea of movies are back. I saw this on IMAX, the first IMAX I've seen in 16 months. Um, how does that psychologically impact me? And I am somebody who's always upfront and very clear about bias being a real thing in all human beings. And one of those biases is the excitement of seeing it on a giant screen with the best sound and just even the quality production of it. You know, I have a, a great TV at home. I've got a decent sound system, but it's nothing like the speakers they have, you know, at the IMAX. Uh, in the screen, you know, the size of the screen. So I, there it has to be a little bit of that involved. But even beyond that, I think I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I, I think what I like the most about it is that it builds the world, in my opinion, in just like the perfect amount for a sequel. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a real element of here's a little more information about what is happening in this world because the first one was very centralized, localized on this family. Everything was happening around them. This one expands a little bit and goes, okay, here's a little bit of, of what's happening in you know the greater sense of things. Um, and I really enjoyed the amount of world building uh, that took place here. And I think that gave me a foundation to really enjoy kind of what they were going through. Uh, I also think the performances were absolutely astonishing. Emily Blunt continues to be amazing. A huge shout out to Millicent Simmons, who uh, is just absolutely astonishing in this. Uh, Noah Jupe's great. Like I mentioned, Killian Murphy. Like the entire cast in this movie is so good. Uh, And so I think that plays a big role in in what I enjoyed about it as well. What are some things that uh, you enjoyed about it, Alice? Yeah, well, you definitely hit a lot of the main points. Um, One thing is that the world building I liked, but they didn't go crazy with it. I, I was a bit worried they were going to try and explain everything about the right. aliens yeah. and, um, you know, all, uh, t- tell us all about them and we learn everything so that there's no mystery anymore. And they really didn't do that, which I appreciated. And the world building was just enough to show like, oh, there's more out there, but there's still a lot of mystery, which I don't know if that's for a potential third part, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting, particularly Emily Blunt, and I am such a fan of Killian Murphy. I feel like he's one of those sneaky actors that you don't think of when people yeah. are like, who are your favorite actors? But every time he's on screen, he's excellent. So definitely up there. I Something I actually really enjoyed was the opening scene, like the, the movie setter, if you will, yeah. where it, it is that, you know, um, like they show it in the trailer, the kind of day one right. setting. I really enjoyed it because it put me kind of right back in there. It's a great way to just throw yourself back into the world. Um, And actually, so something I, the way I watched it was I went to IMAX and I watched it in a double feature with A Quiet Place and then directly after A Quiet Place 2. So I, and it had been like, I'd say a year and a half since I'd seen A Quiet Place last time. So it was a nice sort of refresher going in. Um, But it was nice to actually have that, again, the context without it going way too deep into it um, of just knowing like, okay, if you were in day one, this is what happened to you in terms of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really cool. Um, And then I'll I'll also say that there is some truly badass moments in, in this movie from the characters. There are some really cool 
moments that I really enjoyed, uh, particularly from, I'll say, the, the kids and Millicent Simmons, uh, where, I, where I was like, okay, okay, I'm interested, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, tell, you can tell Krasinski really likes to give his characters those kind of like, oh yeah, you did, you know, kind of, kind of things. And there's an element of, you know, there's almost an element of eighties, nineties action star, mm-hmm. you know, quality to that, but toned down in a way that it feels still more authentic to kind of For sure. m- modern characters and how that, you know, they're not like delivering, you know, big punchlines after kills or anything. Um, mm-hmm. So like, you know, how's that sound? You know, or, or yeah. whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Volumes turned like all the way up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the you don't feel like they're making decisions where you're like, all right, all right. Like, I right. feel like if I was, I had that much adrenaline pumping through my body, as, to be honest, as I do when I watch the movie, because right. that's another thing I really liked, is the tension yeah. was still there. I was gripping, I went with my partner, and I was gripping his hand so hard, he had to, like, force himself out of out of my hand because I was like oh no oh no oh no and I I literally did one of these at one point where I had my hand in front of my face mm-hmm. and was watching it through my fingers so still a master of suspense Krasinski for sure yeah he 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 does a really great job at what I call the there's this horror movie trope where it's thing in the background you know like that's yeah. a big horror movie trope and it can come off as cheap sometimes but the way he does it is so earned. Every time that it that it happens, it just it happens in a way that I feel like makes sense and isn't cheap. And um, there are some, there are just some great. We should do a sift spoil because I have some moments I want to talk yes. about in this one for Me sure. Me too. Me too. So for sure. we'll definitely do a sift spoil. That should show up in your uh, your feed as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, without going into specifics now, there are definitely some of those moments where I feel like okay. Krasinski gets tension. He gets tension. He understands how to build it. He understands how to release it. He understands uh, how that works. And because of that, I was never bored during this movie. You know, I was I was always with the characters, um, you know, all the way through. Now, having said that, it's not a perfect film. So let's talk about some of the some of the negatives. Uh, Alice, why don't you go first? What are some of the things on the negative side? (laughs) Okay, so I don't know if this is a negative, but uh, I do think Krasinski was giving Tarantino a bit of a run for his money this movie with the amount of feet shots there were throughout it. And I mean that in, I noticed, I noticed how many there were, which in the first movie I definitely didn't notice about uh, that much about it. And yet in this one I'm like, okay, where? We're focusing on the fact that they're barefoot and we're, we're staying on it for a long time now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that was definitely something I noticed. But the other thing, and this is the main one that has kind of made me sit in that mid-tier like it rather than higher end, yeah. is that it, and I mean, this could be a positive or negative based on who you are, but it felt exactly the same as the first one. Um, it okay. was very, very similar in the, in my opinion, in the way it played out. Uh, and so I kind of felt like if I'm going to watch, like if I'm going to watch one, I'll watch the first one. I don't really need to watch the second one, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. And, and that brings me to what I think is, is probably my main negative with this is as fun as it was and as tension building as it was and as interesting as it was. There's this movie ends 
I spectacularly. I love the way this movie ends, and we'll talk about it more in the sip spoil. But it got me thinking of did it earn that ending? I'm not sure it earns its ending. I I really feel like there could have been so much if this is where you're going with the ending, which I love. I love that that's the destination point. I feel like you have to do a little more work building us to understand that moment, understand why it's so meaningful. I just feel like the movie had this this moment it wanted to do at the end, but didn't really put the work in to get us there emotionally to care enough uh, about it. So the, so it was kind of like a bittersweet ending for me because I was like, oh, this is great, but also, did we earn this? Like, I couldn't. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm I'm not kidding here. And people who listen often know, you know, I am a movie crier. I feel like I could have been crying at the end of this movie had it been handled even just a little bit better. So yeah. I agree so much yeah. because I could sense, I was like, is this, are they going to end it? Is this it? Is this mm-hmm. the And then it ended. And I was like, okay, mm, <laughs> because I was waiting for the goosebumps moment, right. right? I was waiting for, cause there are moments in movies where I'll cry, like, as you said, but not because it's sad or anything, but because of how powerful it is. Sure, like, yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> these characters are amazing. Um, but yeah. I just, I didn't feel that in this one. And I, I really felt it was, I'm trying to do it in a way that's not spoilery, but I, I was just, I think I was also left at the end being like, ah, oh, okay, uh, cool. Which I don't know if that's because Krasinski had this like, image in his head and he's like that's where we're going but he didn't really think about the yes. lead up so much exactly um but it for example the ending you know you mentioned the 80s 90s action movies it gave me really intense like og uh blade runner vibes mm-hmm. um in the way it was shot um and i i just kind of feel like it was a bit too much of a oh yeah look at this this is great mm-hmm. or, without yeah. it yeah uh, so yeah, I a hundred percent agree because that was one of my major things too, where I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah, it was like it, it's weird to say, uh, and for me, it sounded like it had even less an impact on you than it did on me. But it's weird to say like, well, my goosebumps weren't big enough. I had I had I yeah. had goosebumps, but they were just tiny little goosebumps, and I wanted really big goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a little sure. weird to like, say, but that's kind of how I felt, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that part of it is the fact that yes, it delivered on the tension, and I, again, I'm not sure if it's just me, but I feel like there was more jump scares in this one than yes. the first one. Yes. Um, which I know again, it's something I noticed, which kind of pulled me out a little bit, mm-hmm. and then I got back in. Um, but I just again because of the way it ended and because of the way it was leading up, I, I do feel like there was similar. Uh, the way it plays out, the beats are very similar, and so I'm like, well. A Quiet Place is just this, but better. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. watch that, and I don't really yeah. need to watch this. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I think I think the, the question a lot of people will ask is, is it, is it as good as the first one? I don't think it is. Um, I think no. the first one is is excellence in filmmaking, and this one is just a really good movie. And um, yeah. in, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. I, and there's also part of it... The one other thing I would say, there is part of it that this movie... Look, every movie has to have its convenience. Every movie has to have its stuff that, you know, it happens because it's a movie. And in, yeah. and in, honestly, in this one, when this kind of stuff happened, I was pl- like, I had plenty of grace to give it because I was having such a good time. But there is some of that stuff, especially towards the end where it's like, really, this just happened to happen. You know, like, <laughs> there are a couple few of those moments uh, that I'd want to throw yeah. out there as well. 
Uh, yeah, f- for sure. And and I think like at the end of the day, what I want to say with this is I had a good time when I was in it. It's just kind of the more I think about it, the more questions I have. And I'll bring them up specifically in the spoilers because I have I have a, a good amount of like notes on, on the spoilers. Um, but that's just while with A Quiet Place, I don't feel like I had as many questions that were left unanswered in a way that was unsatisfactory. So there are definitely mysteries in A Quiet Place versus A Quiet Place 2, but I feel like the mysteries that were left in A Quiet Place made sense, while the mysteries left in A Quiet Place 2, I was just kind of like, oh, were they just too lazy to answer that? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to do the Sif spoil. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you've seen the movie, feel free to download that episode and uh, check that out as well. Uh, Any final things, Alice, about A Quiet Place 2 before we move on? Um, Oh, I will say, I feel like this movie suffers from your classic having child actors in a sequel versus the original which is again having seen the first two back to back there is some obvious aging that has Mm -hmm. happened in no amount of time so (laughs) yeah (laughs) that took me out a little bit at the start where i was like they are about three years older but in the movie it's been about an hour so (laughs) that was yeah listen i know i know adolescence feels fast but it's not that (laughs) fast um yeah. Yeah. No, I don't you're know, right. Maybe, maybe if you almost get killed by uh, an alien sure. that can like kill you with sound, maybe that that's what happens. It's like fast aging. It's like a could superpower. Be. But Absolutely, could could be. I'm I'm just gonna say. <laughs> uh, yeah. I you know the, it's hard. It's difficult because you could also do the thing they tried to do in it chapter two, with, mm. which is they actually like lo- like raise the register of of their yeah. voices and like tried to de-age them digitally and it's like i'm not sure which i like if you can't because when you do that poorly it even more takes you out and so yeah i think i prefer this yeah. just be like eh, it is what it is you know we'll just go with it yeah i i prefer it too i think it's just something to be wary of like going in yeah. i mean it's yeah. probably obvious but yeah just the kids are older they're obviously older but right. just ignore that and you'll be and, good and they're they're older <laughs> they're older in scenes that take place before a quiet yeah. place so <laughs> yeah and uh the little brother has definitely changed actors yeah because yeah. they clearly will he's probably like shot up or yeah, something since yeah, then. So definitely. Like, it, it was actually really funny how they kept covering his face <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. As to be like, oh, yeah, he's just like, it was his face was always on Emily mm-hmm. Blunt yeah. or like turned away. And I was like, I see what you're doing. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. You don't want an American, yeah. you don't want American sniper baby moments. Uh, yes, that's or something true like that. Well. So you just got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Uh, since Andrew's not here, I will say no post credits, uh, scene on this one. So, uh, all right, let's move on and talk a little bit about Cruella. She thought she owned everyone. It's foolish. Unhinged. Well, you'll find it. Why are you speaking? I think you've licked me. But there's something about poetic justice that's just so poetic. You won't admit you love me. And so, how do you have a light? To know you always tell me. Get her. This doesn't have to be a scene. It really, really does. Can I remind you all that I'm doing this in heels? What was your name? 
Set in 1970s London amidst the punk rock revolution. Uh, This follows a young grifter named Estella, a clever and creative girl determined to make a name for herself with her designs. She befriends a pair of young thieves who appreciate her appetite for mischief, and together they're able to build a life for themselves on the London streets. Uh, This is out in theaters as well as available via premier access on Disney+. Plus. If you got 30 bucks you want to put down on that. Uh, which, if you've got a family of, you know, five or six, may make uh, a lot of sense to you. Uh, this is, I mean, prequel uh, of the 101 Dalmatians movies, or is it just its own universe? Maybe we'll talk about that uh, a little bit here in a bit. Uh, of course, you got Emma Stone, Emma Thompson. What did, you, what did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I am firmly in the loved it, probably a bit low side of loved it, but definitely loved it. Nice, firm in the loved it with maybe just a little inkling of low side of loved it. Uh, I am with you. Um, I think you like this a little bit more than me, just how you said that. I'm on the low side of loved it. I felt very similar about both of these movies, kind of right in the same range. Loved it, really had a great time, but had some, some things that, you know, couldn't quite get it to a full-on love for me. So why don't you kick us off this time, since you seem to enjoy it more than me. Uh, What are some of the things you liked about Cruella? Well, I can immediately say I did not expect to like this movie, let alone loved it. Nothing I'd seen from the trailers had really, like, pulled me. And the whole time I was like, how are they going to make a woman who wants to kill puppies in any way, shape, or form (laughs) relatable? Right. But what I will say is that this movie hinges on its its performances. Mm -hmm. And boy, do they deliver. Oh, my goodness. Emma Stone and Emma Thompson... I could just watch them verbally jousting mm-hmm. all day. It was some mas- it was a masterclass. Like the characterization, the way that they performed the lines, they delivered the lines. I believed every second of it and I yeah, I loved it. So definitely props to them because if I honestly think if they'd cast anyone else in either of the roles, this would probably be way way more down for me. Yeah, uh very much uh, you know, a Devil Wears Prada, you know, kind of thing going on here between them. Uh, Or should we say DeVille versus Prada? Should should we go that route? Um, That's literally how I described it. Nice. Devil Wears Prada crossed with a heist movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Emma Stone is astonishing in this movie and and you're right there are a lot of great performance here uh, performances here. Emma Thompson is is doing incredible stuff here but what Emma Stone is doing here seems to me to have the highest level of difficulty in the movie mm-hmm. because she's unhinged, but she is presenting empathy for the audience. That is really difficult to pull off. And I think she does it. Like, you mm-hmm. care about that character, you understand that character, the motivations. And at the same time, you see that there is, you know, that unhingedness, uh, you know, beneath the surface. I just, I just think she's incredible. Um, yeah, uh, I, you know, it's not the first time I've watched an Emma Stone movie and gone, oh, okay, she's one of the best actors ever. Uh, yeah. But but it continues to bring that home for me. Uh, I, I do think she's absolutely incredible here. I also want to shout out uh, Joel Fry and Paul Walter Hauser. Um, I think they're both mm-hmm. doing great work here, especially Paul Walter Hauser, who's quickly becoming one of my favorite uh, character actors. Um, he was in The Five Bloods recently. Um, he was also in the... Um, Oh, the the bomber movie uh, that Clint Eastwood did—it's slipping uh, my mind right um, now. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. the name of the guy, uh, like like uh, the guy's name. What was that guy's name? Um, <laughs> stand by, stand by. Anyhow, oh my goodness, I remember watching this. He's great in that though. Like he's he's yeah. he's really really good in these these movies. And uh, I mean, Richard Jewell. Yes, thank you, Richard Jewell. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mark Strong's in there yeah. as well. But again, he's not really yeah. doing anything special. He's great, you know, because it's you know perfect for him. Um, so everybody's just kind of doing their job and, and some people are, are doing it, uh, kind of next level in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I really like how they, the way they cast the character actors, especially, so Joel Fry, I know from this show Plebs, um, which is a BBC comedy. Great. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. And then like, there's definitely a few moments of like, oh, where have I seen them before? Cause, um, in the middle of watching it, cause we watched it at home. My partner was like, oh, that's the guy from what we do in the shadows. And that's <laughs> Roger is Nandor from what we do in the shadows. Yeah, but yeah. it was, completely different and i didn't even notice until he mentioned that and i was like mm-hmm. oh my god of it's course. crazy it's crazy that it's yeah. the same person it, it really yeah. like that kind of blew my mind uh when i yeah. realized that um so different mm-hmm. it's just so different yeah um sure. yeah so some other stuff that i really enjoyed mm-hmm. visually this movie is just mind-blowing uh the costumes the way they're presented um I mean, do we just pencil this in for the Oscar for costume and like hair and stuff? Like, this is just such great work. Yeah, to be honest, there's a few categories this could fill out because it's yeah, the costumes are just the the more I watched it and the more the movie progressed, I was just like, oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Oh my god, I love it. And then the set design. So I I read this bit of trivia that apparently Emma Thompson got very emotional the first day she stepped on set because mm-hmm. she grew up in seventies London and it was apparently like a perfect replica. Um, so that's really, and just everything about it, all the little moments that perfectly represent, you know, if it's a house, the characters, or they just feel real, but they feel sensationalized in a way as well, which I feel really fits the tone of the movie. So they're, they're all accurate, but to a point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also feel like there were a few really interesting editing choices that were made. So there, there's a long shot early on and some really cool sort of framing moments that I noticed. And I was like, oh, all right, Disney. Didn't see that happening. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, for sure. Uh, so the, it, Feast for the eyes. The the garbage dress was one of my favorites. Um, you know, there's just all these different moments uh, where you're just like, wow, nicely done. So I really, really appreciated that. Um, mm-hmm. Story wise, yeah. how do you feel yeah. about the the presentation of the story? Did that work for you? Well, I really, again, I really enjoyed the dialogue. Um, but especially once Emma Stone and Emma Thompson are like really mm-hmm. into it. That was great. And when I looked it up, I was like, ah, that's why. Because it's co-written by uh, Dana Fox and Tony McNamara. And Tony McNamara wrote The Favourite and uh, the show The Great. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Right, yeah. But having said that, I do think for the first like 10 to 20 minutes of this movie, I was very much not into it. Um I just feel like it was maybe, you know, if, if we're going to jump into negatives, um, sure. the first 10 to 20 minutes really did not do it for me. And it wasn't until I after that that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I, I just feel like it was a bit rushed. It was a bit 
typical I, I would say and I just yeah it, it wasn't for me it really it really depends on uh, Emma Stone's narration there to really pull you along in any time you're mm-hmm. depending on your narration to, to make the movie work uh, yeah. you probably needed to do a little more work with the the actual um, stuff going on it just seems it seems like they've got a lot of work to do in a short amount yeah. of time to get to where they want to get and that's tough for a movie Correct. to do sometimes so I give it a little bit of grace um, but I, I agree with you. It's, I think the, the beginning is the weakest part of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. you know, all the way up until we see Emma Stone, you know, and then it's like the yeah, movie just pretty much rockets and just, you know, kind of goes where it's going. Um, yeah. you know, not to say the, young, the young actors that portrayed like the three of them, you know, as kids or whatever. I mean, like, um, Jasper and Horace and Cruella. Uh, I thought they were fine. I thought they did fine. It was just, it was a difficult thing for the movie to do to get us to, to where it needed to be. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, so that was definitely one thing that I was like, ugh. And then, as, like you said, as soon as Emma Stone comes in, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I'm having a good time. And luckily, because it is a two-hour and 14-minute movie, the beginning's not a big percentage of that, so right. you can forgive it. Um, the other thing was the really bad CG. Like, there was some truly atrocious computer-generated characters, specifically the dogs, the dogs. in the yeah. movie, yeah. where I was... But I would understand if it was in moments where they were doing weird tricks or stunts mm-hmm. that you might not want to teach a dog, but there was moments where they had made a CG dog, and they were just sitting next to the characters or, like, walking alongside them, and I'm just there like, why... I, I don't I don't understand with all the money that Disney has and the fact that this had a two hundred million dollar budget like did they just run out of money when it came to post production or yeah. or did they put it all into the de aging of because um, you know there are some some moments of de aging in the film that looked fine um, so I'm like is that where all the money went and then they just made you know it, it really harkened back to like harry potter and the philosophers or sorcerer's stone type cg it was mm-hmm. rubbery it was awful yeah that's definitely a major negative and it's w- it's weird coming from disney too who just did you know the lion king you know yeah. cg which was just astonishing in fact it was so good it made the movie terrible <laughs> um <laughs> you're like wait lions aren't supposed to sing like that uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's weird that, that they couldn't get some of that right. No, I, I definitely saw the same thing, uh, along those lines with the CG. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it also has it, the movie, I think progresses well after we kind of get to the Emma Stone part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's trying to do too much at times. I think this, mm-hmm. the, this movie hinges on, um, a, a twist, and I don't know that we need to do a sift spoil on this because there's there's not really necessarily anything to talk about once you know the twist. Mm. But it, it hinges on this twist that I'm I'm not sure what it does for the story. Um, you know, it, mm. it's I think it's supposed to add more gravitas than it actually does. And so I was just kind of like I was fine with the rivalry before the twist. I didn't need the twist to complicate mm. that or you know uh, in any way. And and so I feel like the for whatever reason, they felt like they had to do those things. Now, those things might have worked for a lot of people. I don't know. But for me, it just kind of complicated things in an unnecessary way and also added to, you know, a movie that is already a little bit long. So, you know, could have been a little simpler. Yeah, I agree. I I almost... The thing... Okay, so with the twist, I definitely saw it coming. In fact, I think I said it uh, to the people I was watching it with, like, you know, 
20 or 30 minutes before it happens, I was like, I bet you this is what it is. And it was. And I was like, well, yeah, okay. Mm. But I agree. I don't really think it added anything. And I almost feel like it would have been more of a twist to not have a twist. Right. You know what I mean? Because it was so glaringly obvious where Mm -hmm. you're just like, all right, yep, I see where this is going. Yeah. Um, That it just, again, it kind of pulled you out a little bit. And I, I definitely... Not, not to spoil or anything, but I will say there are some characters who I feel like are put out there as red herrings. Mm-hmm. Um, one character in particular. And I feel like that's more because of who the um, performer is. But I... And so the twist kind of was like, oh, wait, actually, this is what you expected. But I don't know. I just don't feel like it served anything and probably could have shaved a good 15 minutes off the movie, making it a little bit more you know, digestible for your average moviegoer. Yeah, and it's also hard because we're all at different stages of our our movie comprehension and our movie watching, mm-hmm. and especially when you make a movie for a younger audience, which this movie is supposed to be for all ages, you know, that's what Disney does. Mm-hmm. Like, there there is this need to put in these kind of, you know, story movements that for children and, you know, you know maybe people who just, you know, aren't thinking in those ways, they get to be fun little gasp moments or aha moments but this movie has several of them and in each time i felt like the majority of the audience was ahead of the movie and you know there's there's a another twist that's kind of it's not a twist but there's a fake out towards the end as well that is just the complete most Mm -hmm. nonsense fake out i've ever seen in a movie like it's just like who in the audience you know (laughs) you know what i'm saying like without like So, no, I know exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I feel like that's my main issue with this movie that keeps me from kind of being like, oh, this is amazing, is mm. uh, is I think the story is just a, it's a little bit much. I think they tried to do too much. I think it could have been a lot simpler and a lot more fun mm-hmm. if it was simpler uh, in yeah. that way. And I also feel like there were moments that maybe they just hadn't fully ironed out or decided they want in there. So, I will say there is kind of like a romantic subplot that's hinted at yeah a little bit yeah yeah between the emma stone and joel fry character or uh cruella and jasper it's like touched on through looks and phrases but i especially by the end i was like wait was that intentional or was that more of a actor choice like it just kind of felt like they maybe wanted to go for it and then disney were like no we can't have a romantic subplot for a villain and so they just paired back on it or something right yeah yeah the yeah, o- the other negative I wanted to mention um, is this movie left me unsure of its place in the Dalmatians canon, uh, yeah. and and I I think that's important. I come away from this going, I, I don't think this can be what you've presented to me. I don't think can be a prequel to 101 Dalmatians. That I like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I watched that this I watched the original this week um, to just kind of con- you know confirm my suspicions there um there are things that happen in the original 1961 animated film that make no sense zero sense if this is what happened before that movie so i think they're creating their own canon here i think this is supposed to be its own like they'll do if they do a sequel it may take place based on a uh mid-credit scene it may take place in kind of that same time frame that the 1961 does but this is a different cruella it's a different jasper it's a different horace and i think that's okay i just like i was a little confused at times like i i, I don't know how you make that clearer 
you know, to, to an audience going in. And I don't even know that it's necessary, but I do know that it distracted me a little bit because I would have these bunny trails of, as someone who loves the original, like, I see what you're trying to do here, but that doesn't make sense with what we've seen in the, the animated one. And then finally, I just had to give it up and just go, okay, this is its own thing. Cool. Yeah. You know, because honestly, it turns from, can you redeem a villain like the that's from the 1961 to this is not a villain. <laughs> like, yeah. like it genuinely, if, if this is the only canon in this universe, Cruella is not a villain. She's just yeah. not a villain. I don't think that's a spoiler. She's just not a villain. And, yeah. and she, you know, she never will be uh, based on this. I mean, obviously there could be a turn. Um, but anyway, so yeah, yeah. it's a little weird for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, it is kind of that initial question going in of like, how do you redeem someone who wants to kill puppies? And the answer to that that Disney took was, uh, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. This isn't the same person. <laughs> this isn't the same person, um, yeah. But I almost feel like this was kind of similar to what they did in Maleficent. Sure. You know, where it was a completely, like, that is not the same character as in Sleeping Beauty. I Having said that, I do feel like the Maleficent movie fits in more within the canon based of Sleeping Beauty. Yes. You know, if you watch them back to back, you could see how maybe like certain bits were misinterpreted and actually this is how it was meant to end. While this one was just like, they, it was almost like they all sat down in the writer's room and were like, I, I don't know, man. How do you make people like people who want to kill dogs? Like, you just yeah. can't. That yeah. is, everybody knows that's the cardinal movie sin. And so the answer is you just make her uh, not. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they try to do the follow-up to be like a the same, the 101 Dalmatian story from the villain's perspective kind of thing, yeah. I just don't think it works because it's just a different, it's just a different character um, than was yeah. in there. Uh, mm -hmm. there are also some interesting things without getting into too much detail that confused me, uh, about, uh, Pongo and Perdita and yeah. I'm just like, yep. so, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. I don't know if that's yep. spoiler and, Ro and Roger and Anita. Yeah. And Roger and Anita as characters. You're just yeah. like, well, but if anything, even down to the, let's say the title song, mm -hmm. um, doesn't make sense when you watch the original yeah. one, because he's already written it, but then in the original one, he then writes it again for the first time, right? And, and he's why, never met why, Cruella. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he's he met Estella. Um, so yeah. Anyhow, yeah. So I, I, it did have moments where I just got distracted by my own need to follow those threads and my own confusion. Yeah. I don't know if you hold it against the movie or like, you know, mm. um, but it, but it made the viewing experience a little bit more off for me. Um, having said yeah. that, it's still such a fun movie and the performances are absolutely incredible. Like you said. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think this is, a, this is a case for me of two movies that are really fun to watch and, you know, yeah. a, a total recommend. Both of them are a total recommend for me, but both have decent yep. sized uh, negatives that I can see people getting um, distracted by and, and confused by. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're both movies that are really fun and entertaining and you just don't need to think about it very much afterwards. Just enjoy the ride. Let yeah. it take you where it wants to take you and then immediately move on. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of immediately moving on, uh, why don't we do that? Oh, wait. Can I can I just say one more thing? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you just gave me a great segue. And look, when you're hosting something okay. and you get a good segue, you tend to use it. But go ahead. 
Okay, sorry, there's just something I have to say, which is that this is the first movie in a long time which made me audibly react, um, and I'll say viscerally react, and I'll just say it's a moment with a banana uh, that I have, I literally just, I'll say I was retching, um, particularly with an action a character takes with a banana, uh-huh, and uh-huh. me and the people we were watching it with were literally just like, huh, huh, no, oh, no, no. So, uh, just be prepared when you see a banana on screen. That's all I'll say. It's amazing. That's amazing. That's a good trigger warning. It's, yeah, it's definitely yeah. a banana trigger warning uh, for you yeah. there. Uh, that but was that was one of my favorite uh, scenes, though. Was that come up yeah. scene with that store manager? I I just thought yeah. that was that was beautiful. That was great. He was great. He was great. Yeah. Uh, before we head on to the best ever challenge, uh, big old thank you to our Sif Pop members. You make this happen, uh, and we appreciate you for us uh, for doing it for us. Um, if you're interested in taking a look at the different levels and kind of what the different perks are that go along with it. Uh, we've reinstituted the monthly video hangouts at one of the levels, uh, ad-free podcasts at every level, and then the bonus episodes of the podcast are at the uh, $5 level. So you can check all that out at patreon.com slash siftpop. Uh, we do try to do a bonus episode every single week for you guys uh, and have a fun time doing it. So thank you to existing Siftpop members keeping us strong keeping us going and if you've been thinking about it and you love what goes on here and you want to support it just go check it out and uh and we appreciate you for doing that that's patreon.com slash sift pop what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. We're going to do best ever Disney remakes. Now, this is a very specific type of Disney remake, and they're more reboots. They're like live action reboots uh, slash remakes that they've been doing. Uh, We pulled from a very specific list. Um, So we'll go number five to number one. Uh, If you have something higher than I mention it, feel free to trump it, and we'll wait till, uh, till it's on your list to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. all right, let's, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start off. What's your number five? The Lion King. Oh, it made Would your top you five. Nice. Yep. 
Okay, so I really enjoyed it. I I know that there's some, I would almost say like anti-Uncanny Valley going on because it's real animals doing the movie. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's still Lion King. And I really, really like Lion King. And first of all, the visual effects are insane. Like I, especially certain parts of the landscape, um, my friends and I were in the cinema and we were literally like, how? How? No, they just filmed it. They just went to like the de- the desert and filmed it. Like, mm-hmm. nah, this isn't animated. Um, so that alone, I think, had me. I was like, this is amazing. But I just, I still really just enjoyed it because I really, really like the Lion King. You know, um, represent 1994 babies, <laughs> including the movie. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I walked out having had a really good time. Um, I mean, I will probably still put on the animated over this one if I had to pick. But I would still enjoy it if I had to watch it. Like, I wasn't upset ha- having watched it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like this movie. And it's <laughs> it probably for me is... So, I have always... Not always. But I have usually fought back against the unnecessary argument. The argument of, why are we making movies we've already made before? That's unnecessary. Well, all movies are unnecessary. Like, you know, we're just... Yeah. We're trying to have a good time. And, you know... Uh, I've enjoyed most of them, but that mm-hmm. argument to me for the first time felt right for this movie. This movie doesn't try, in my opinion, very much or anything new, um, and everything it does to me is lesser than the original. And you know, mm-hmm. uh, the only thing I could say is that the visuals, like you talk about, are different. They're spectacular. They're beautiful. They're amazing, um, but they're also, uh, it's also harder for the animals, in my opinion, to emote, like, you know, all those kind of things. So, yeah, I just, I just, this was the one I walked out of going, oh, so this is what people mean when they say a movie is unnecessary. <laughs> it's like, oh, I kind of agree with them on this one, but I'm glad you loved yeah. it. Um, and I will stand with you on the original <laughs> Lion King being amazing and, yeah. and we'll just, we'll just have our unity on that. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But no, look, hey, here's the other thing. Like, if you look down the list that we pulled off of, of mm-hmm. these movies that kind of fit this category, this is the one that has made the most money. Like, this is the one really? that did the best. Um, so, yeah, this this huh. yeah, this yeah movie made, oh, 500 and something million just here in the States. Like, it's just, it blew up, so... So yeah, I uh, I you know obviously there are plenty of people who loved this yeah. movie. So well, maybe. I guess there's something to be said that this is the Lion King that the new generation will grow up with, right? So for them, the animated one will be the kind of vintage one that they'll maybe go back to, but mm-hmm. this is the one they'll know and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. Um, but I mean, I I still enjoy it, and I see it kind of as like Disney's proof of concept of like. Look how good we are. This is amazing. <laughs> Pat on the back. And I don't see it like, you know, I might bite my tongue in the future, but I really don't see it aging badly in terms of the visual effects as time goes on. So to yeah. that, I say, well done. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> your money. Uh, the Lion King made $1.6 billion worldwide. $1.6 billion, uh, including... That's- 543 million in the US um, mm-hmm. 
So, and I, I, we can mention what others made as we talk about them if we want to. Yep. Um, I will go with Aladdin for my number five. Trump. All right. Good. I'm glad you liked Aladdin. I really enjoyed that one. All right. What's your number four? Aladdin. Hey. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I I w- went in similarly to Cruella. I went in expecting to hate this movie, not just dislike it, hate the movie. Mm-hmm. Because the last movie I'd seen from Guy Ritchie was King Arthur Legend of the Sword, which as someone whose name is based upon the King Arthur legend, I'm very protective of it. And that was one of the worst interpretations of the King Arthur legend mm-hmm. I've ever seen. So that's number one. Number two, I was like, how is Will Smith going to live up to Robin Williams. This isn't sure. going to happen. Sure. And and so I just was like, nah, nah. And then I walked in being like, huh, I enjoyed that. That was so good. So yeah, really like beyond my expectations. Yeah, I really think this movie took everything from Aladdin. And yes, we get, we get presented pretty much the same story. Um, it excises a lot of the things that haven't aged well from that story and the way we treat other cultures and things like that. And I really appreciated that. And it, it just twists them a little bit. It just says, yeah, but we're doing this version. And, you know, Will Smith's genie, y- you don't have to compare him to Robin Williams' genie because they're doing completely different things. They're completely mm-hmm. different characters. And, uh, and I liked it. I really liked it. I liked mm-hmm. some of the spins they put on the classic songs. I thought that was interesting. They didn't just sing the exact same mm-hmm. songs. They put a little bit of, you know, spin on it, um, a little bit of oomph on it. So yeah, I, I really had a good time with this, um, enough that it made my number four, uh, Aladdin made just over a billion dollars worldwide. It is the third, uh, most money-making movie of these movies, huh. uh, made 355 million, uh, in the U S and Canada. So. There you go. Uh, All right. So my number four then, is that where we're at? Yes. This is where I have Maleficent. Trump. All right. (laughs) I guess we're on to your number three then. What do you got at number three? Maleficent. Yay. (laughs) Now look, Alice, did you do this on purpose just because you wanted to talk about every movie? All right. Go ahead. I just wanted to be the first. That's right. That's right. Well, tell us about Maleficent. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, this was besides, you know, like 101 Dalmatians and, you know, those type of movies, this was the first of like Disney's new reboot sort of yeah, like, like strategy that they're do doing, you, right? Do you count? Okay. So let's talk about this. This is a good point to talk yeah. about this. You've got a Jungle Book movie that they actually did in 94, uh, live action Jungle yeah. Book. And then you've got the 101 Dalmatians. You've got 102 Dalmatians that they did with, uh, Glenn Close. Uh, mm. And that's in 96 and 2000. And then I think you have to start it with Alice in Wonderland in 2010. That feels yeah. to me like the first real attempt to go, okay, we're going to do the, you know, the animated, but, you know, do the live action. I mean, I actually, I don't know mm. why you wouldn't start it with Jungle Book or 101 Dalmatians, but probably mm. because it wasn't really a strategy at that point. But the Alice in Wonderland feels like the first in, even though there were four years before Maleficent came out. Um, so yeah, you've got Alice in Wonderland in 2010 and Maleficent in 2014, and then they just come every year. So, yeah. And then, and then once you get to 2019, they're just like, Hey, let's do four of them this year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's just all of them go through the back (laughs) catalog. Let's go. Um, yeah. So, well, that is really interesting because I completely 
completely didn't even think about Alice in Wonderland. Like I read the list, mm-hmm. but I just didn't right. even yeah. didn't pop into my head because it felt so Tim Burton-y, I guess, yes. that I just yeah. didn't... While Maleficent feels more like these new remakes in that it's like what you know, but with a twist. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I really enjoy it and I revisit it every few years or so. And every time I have a great time. Angelina Jolie is just, her star power is amazing and she's beautiful and she's talented um, and I hate it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just a really cool twist. I like the lore they brought in. I'm a big fan of fantasy world building um, and the the twists on like, unlike Cruella where it felt completely different and a different character, this feels like oh, this is kind of like if someone else rewrote it, but from the other perspective, mm-hmm. um, that's the original Sleeping Beauty. And then this is kind of what actually happened. It's like the original fairy tales versus the Disney version of the fairy tales, if if you will. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And I'm just a fantasy, like I love fantasy and this was so fantastical and cool. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, big fan. Yeah, me too. I think it's really well done. Um, I... Uh I think Angelina Jolie is great. I think, uh, you know, pretty much everything you said, I echo. Um, and it's just a good watch. And it's in it, in it's the emotion works too, um, which, you know, people know that's, that's one of my most important things. If the themes work, if the emotion works, I'm going to dig it quite a bit. And I think they do here. So yeah, that's why it's uh, at number four on my list and number three on your list. So yes. now my number three, which I'm sure is your number two. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure. Uh, I had Christopher Robin at uh, number three. Not on my list, but in my honorable mentions. Uh, I really like this movie quite a bit, in fact. Mm. Um, and I, you know, it's. I think part of it has to do with the performance, but I think this movie so perfectly gets what makes the Winnie the Pooh stories so attractive, so interesting. Um, it understands just like the. You know the the optimism of it, the childhood nature of it, the idea that this these stories are often about what it means to be a child versus an adult, and and this movie goes to that and says, okay, let's take adult Christopher Robin and remind him what it means to be a child, and I just think it works really, really well. There's a there's a scene towards the end of this movie with Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin that I just like tears, just like it's just uh, so beautiful, and me too. Um, so yeah, I really dig this one, and if you haven't checked this one out, because I think this one flew under the radar quite a bit um if you haven't checked Mm -hmm. this one out uh i would do it i was trying to see where this one landed yeah it just it made under 200 million worldwide under 100 million uh domestically Uh, there are only three of these movies that made less so yeah very much flew under the radar didn't get on a lot of people's attention but i think this one's really really good so that is uh there you go that's my number three uh, I agree. It's hook. It's hook for the new generation. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. I agree. Uh, number two. What's your number two? Mine is Cinderella. Mine too. Let's talk about it. Hey. hey. Okay. I wonder if our number one's the same. In which case, it's a very similar list. <laughs> um, yeah. I. I really. Again, I was like, oh, they're really rebooting Cinderella. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the new to say? But first of all, the costumes and the set design in this movie are just something else like Mm -hmm. the cinderella dress is spectacular the the palace and the cool like outfits and the way that they frame the whole film visually is very impressive Mm -hmm. but the casting's also really great too i mean it's also directed by kenneth branagh and i really love most of his films Mm -hmm. you know let's not talk about artemis (laughs) fell anyway (laughs) um but 
yeah, I just, I didn't expect much, but I really love how they gave her so much more agency. Like, she didn't just, like, accidentally herself into all the events. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also made, I feel, the rest of the characters more three-dimensional than they are in the in the original. Particularly the prince, who, when you watch the original, he has, like, ten lines in mm-hmm. the whole movie. He's just kind of there, which I think happened a lot in the earlier Disney animated films. Um, but, yeah, I just, I think it was... Just a really pretty movie in any in every way. Yeah, I totally agree, and I love what they did with the Cinderella character. Um, the, on uh, Twitter this week, uh, somebody reposted my written review of Cinderella, where basically I I talk about how the Cinderella in this movie went from happily ever after to happily even after, uh, yeah. and the the idea that no matter what happens to her, and so many things have happened to her. She finds contentment and like they, they very clearly at the culmination of this movie and the Cinderella story, which, which has been all about uh, my true prince and, you know, Mm. when will that happen? And I hope, you know, the shoe fits or whatever. They clearly have her communicate. If that never happens, I'm good. And it's just, that is such a powerful, important thing for them to turn on their head like that. And they continue those kind of ideas in Frozen and some other places as well. Um, and I just, I've really appreciated their kind of turn of the princess idea uh, to, you know, understand it as a, a fully formed human being who is complete yeah. uh, without these other things that, that many movies have told us that women need to be complete. Uh, and so, yes. yeah, I really appreciate that in this one. Um, I love this movie a lot. Uh, All right, it's time to find out if our number ones are the same. What do you got, Alice? Beauty and the Beast. No, our number ones are not the same. I had this in honorable mention. Yeah, I had this in honorable mention. Yeah. Oh, this is, you know, when you fan cast things and you're like, oh, I'd really love it if this was made and I'd really love it if these people were in the roles and you're just like, that's never going to happen. And then it happened Mm -hmm. and it happened with this one. So of the original Disney oeuvre, my two favorites are Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid, right? I mean, Little Mermaid remains to be seen with that one. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But Beauty and the Beast has always been uh, my, like, I adore that film, the original original and when they were starting the remakes I was like oh my gosh imagine if they did it and then Emma Watson would be so great and I was a big Downton Abbey fan at the time so I was like man Dan Stevens would be a cool prince Emma Thompson would be a great Mrs. Potts like it was insane and then it happened and I was like wait what what I'm sorry what (laughs) and then it came out and I just Oh, it's everything I love in the film I mean again similar to Lion King I do feel that the original outshines this one um, a little bit but unlike Lion King I do feel like it has its own elements it it creates more dimension for some of the side characters in particular Um, obviously the beast has his own song he has a little bit more rather than just like I'm a beast and grumpy all the time like he's a bit more of a fleshed out character Mm -hmm. in this one Um, and it's just so it's so magical and I just oh I you know what I might watch it today after after we finish this so because it's been a hot minute but um, yeah I just I really really love it and it's just my nerdy fan dreams come to life and when they did taylor's oldest time you bet i cried in the yeah <laughs> yeah i uh I, I i like this movie um you know this this movie 
it really frustrates me when people say this one doesn't do anything new with the story because this one absolutely 100% does some new stuff with the story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, um, you know, that's missed by a lot of people, but I, I really enjoy it. Like you said, the casting's great. Dan Stevens, just like, I, you know, I, I, I would, it wouldn't have been my fan casting. Like you mentioned fan casting. I wouldn't have thought of him as the beast, but he's so yeah. great in the role. And, um, yeah, this, this is good stuff. I'm glad you mentioned it. By the way, that is the, uh, number two, uh, money-making movie of these, uh, made 1.2 billion, uh, worldwide. Yeah. So the four billion dollar makers were <laughs> Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Alice in Wonderland. Right? Really? Yes. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Oh, Alice- I mean, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, mine is the number five uh, movie making, uh, money making, uh, just made just under a billion dollars. Uh, the Jungle Book. Um, I really in like my honorable this. mentions. I really, yeah. really like what they did here. I love the. Um, the animal characters here, how they did them. Uh, I love the the way they shifted the plot of this movie to actually mean something and do something. Um, the original is a very empty movie. It's just you know just about a, mm. a kid living in the jungle, and I get it. Like that's fine, but this this takes some time to you know um, to really talk about fear and what it means to overcome fear, what it means to grow up. Like there's a, there's a lot of great stuff here. Um, the only thing about this movie that I didn't like was the music. I think it forced the songs in. I think this is a better movie uh, without yeah. the songs. Um, and I love those songs. Mm. I absolutely love the songs from the original Jungle Book, but they just feel very out of place here to me. Um, but everything other than that, I really, really enjoy about the Jungle Book. So comes in as my yeah. number one. Uh, that's all I had. For you mentioned my honorable mentions. So, did you have any other honorable mentions that you wanted to mention for your honorable mentions? Did you want to mention them? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I had five, but you mentioned two of them in Jungle Book and Christopher Robin. So, I have three others. Um, one is 101 Dalmatians, the Glenn Close one, who, like, I feel like this is definitely a bit of a nostalgia pick. I remember watching it a lot when I was a small child and being horrified by Cruella. And then I love, you know, Hugh Laurie and uh, Arthur Weasley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not his not his actual name, but his character name in Harry Potter. I love them as the, like, you know, sidekicks. And it's just fun and silly and everything you'd want to watch as a kid. Because you got dogs and you got scary villain and you got happy ending so mm-hmm. I, I i remember enjoying that uh maleficent 2 i didn't expect anything from that movie i was like wow that made enough money to get a sequel and then i really enjoyed it like i i really enjoyed it i love the world building again i love how it's a bit bigger but not cr- like way too big so that it's a bit silly um and then again the character uh, development and everything just really enjoy that film and then finally lady in the tramp i do enjoy that was probably the first like disney plus original or straight Mm -hmm. to disney plus movie i saw um and you know the cg was uh, 
all right. Like, it wasn't the best that Disney has delivered, but I really enjoyed Lady and the Tramp, and my partner and I are obsessed with dogs, so it was just fun to watch them. And then it was just really nice to know that, like, the main, the dog that they got to play the Tramp or to model off the Tramp was an actual dog they found in a kill shelter and saved. And I was that warmed my heart a little bit, and so I was like, oh, I love this movie even more now. <laughs> I've actually, I haven't seen that one. I haven't taken the time to oh. see the new Lady and the Tramp, so maybe I... Uh, um, maybe I will yeah. since you've given that little recommendation. Um, yeah, we also didn't mention Mulan, which I thought had its its positive points, but um, but overall wasn't wasn't all that great. But I did want to throw that out there. Um, as far as what's coming up, um, they have mm-hmm. announced uh, Little Mermaid. Uh, Rob Marshall is yes. going to make a version of that. John Favreau is going to do a follow up to the Jungle Book. Uh, Barry yeah, Barry Jenkins that. is doing a Lion King follow up. Um, that could be interesting. I'm uh, so excited for that because one of my favorite Disney movies of all time is Lion King 2. Yeah. And I am obsessed with that. In fact, like not to, again, give too much information, but one of my like childhood crushes was Kovu from Lion King <laughs> nice. 2. Nice. <laughs> you know how a lot of people's are Simba? Mine was Kovu. Right. So I am here. If they do that, Simba's pride, I am ready. My body is ready. Let's Bring it go. on. Bring it on. <laughs> Uh yeah, I'm a huge fan of Lion King two and a half. Uh, is oh. is one of my favorites. Uh, I enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, Mark Webb has been tagged to do a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, yeah. so that could be interesting. There's an untitled Aladdin sequel, Hunchback. I don't know how you do Hunchback. That's that'll be so weird. Uh, but. Uh. It's it's going to be very weird, especially yeah. you know I was talking to my friend who's Hunchback is her favorite Disney movie. Would you mm-hmm. believe? And uh, I was like, I mean, they're not going to do Hellfire, are they? Because like, that's a that's a really dark song. That whole movie. But also, if you yeah, the whole movie <laughs> the is whole dark. Movie. Yeah. The whole movie's problematic, let yeah. alone dark. And yeah. I'm like, how are they not going to just strip it bare yeah. of everything? Yeah. So we'll see. It'll we'll be see. interesting. Uh, Bambi has been announced as well as Hercules. Uh, both of those have been announced. <gasps> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for Hercules. I swear, if they do what they did to Mulan and take out the music, I I will riot. I will go <laughs> to Disney's headquarters and I will riot because the one of the best like music in Disney is the Hercules soundtrack. So I I, I swear, <laughs> do not do <laughs> Are you listening, Disney? Disney? Are you listening? Yeah. I mark my words. If I don't get gospel truth, oh, you will have made an enemy. <laughs> Disney <laughs> Not a powerful one, Dis- but an enemy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the Disney Plus uh, films that have been announced, uh, Peter Pan and Wendy, uh, David Lowry's directing that. That's supposed to come out next year. Robert Zemeckis is directing a version of Pinocchio. Um, mm. Juan Carlos uh, Fresnald, uh, Fresnadillo is directing Sword in the Stone. That could be interesting. I'm down for a Sword yeah, in the Stone. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, and then Robin Hood, Lilo and mm-hmm. Stitch, and an untitled Prince Anders film from the Aladdin series. So Yeah, that was, that was a weird one when they announced yeah. that. I was like... Uh, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> so we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's just but, say uh, they have they show no signs of letting up. Uh, they yeah. they're gonna keep milking that cow for as as long as it will give milk. So so yep. there you go. I'm just waiting for the Black Cauldron reboot because hmm. that's a movie that should have a reboot because it has a lot of things that could be improved, but it has a lot of potential and no one like watched it and yeah. I loved it as a kid. So yeah. come on, Disney, come on. 
Uh, all right, let's do our buried treasure. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to talk about? I'll go first so that you can finish us off. Uh, I watched the third season of Master of None uh, on Netflix oh. and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, Aziz Ansari is kind of the brain behind this. He went through some stuff a couple years ago that he has addressed in his comic special, different things like that. But he has definitely stepped behind the camera for the most part during this uh, third season. It's five episodes. They're varying different lengths. And it really is just the tale of this love story um, between these two women. And I, I found it powerful and beautiful. And some of the topics it touches on are just not things you really see... Um, you, that you really see like um, dug into in this way, you know, like it's just, it, it's willing to go to some places and to do it with sensitivity that I just, I haven't really seen done before. So it's really beautiful. Um, something you might want to check out. It's so different than the first two seasons. So if you enjoyed the first two seasons of master of none, just know you may enjoy this one too, but it'll be for different reasons. Um, Cause it's, it's a very different uh, show. So wanted to get that out uh, on Netflix. Master of none season three uh, is out. What about you, Alice? Okay. So this is a very big moment for me. So I am a one woman like promoter for this film. It is called perfect sense. And the way I will frame it is this. It came out in 2011 and no one saw it. And I just happened across it one day. And now I will literally make everyone I know watch this until it has a cult following. <laughs> it is directed by David McKenzie, a.k.a. Hell or High Water. It stars Ava Green and Ewan McGregor. And actually, it's like weirdly good, like um, I'll say relevant to our times right now. So let me tell you a little bit about what it's okay. what it's about. So you and McGregor plays a chef, and Eva Green plays an epidemiologist, and it's kind of about how they meet and start to fall in love. Right? Simple enough. However, the whole thing is on a backdrop of a worldwide epidemic or pandemic, maybe, where everyone starts to lose their senses one by one. Hence the name Perfect Sense. So to kind of frame it a little bit more. So for example, the first sense you lose is the sense of smell. But before each sense that you lose, you go through a really intense feeling uh, of just emotion. So right before you lose your sense of smell, you go through, you feel grief. You feel all the grief you've ever felt in your life, all the people you've hurt, all the chances you didn't take, you experience it, go through this really intense, like tragic feeling. And then the next morning you wake up and your sense of smell is gone. And what I really love, so I'm a big, big fan of the high concept sci-fi. You give me a really cool concept. You give me some really cool themes. I am there. And this movie does that in spades. It explores these themes. It explores how humanity adapts each time. And it's kind of optimistic, which is nice, but it also doesn't shy away from the fact that this is, you know, horrible and people are suffering as a result. Mm -hmm. And it's just so well made. It's, it's you know, very tight. It's only uh, 90 minutes and that's as long as you need it to be. But it is just a movie that is should really have more notoriety than it does. So if you get a chance to watch it, I really, really recommend it. If you like high concept sci-fi, you're going to like this one. If you like uh, Ewan McGregor and Ava Green or David McKenzie, you're going to like this one. If you just like really nice love stories, you're going to like it. So please check it out. I love it. 
perfect, perfect buried treasure uh, uh, for the perfect sense. I have not seen it. You are correct. Completely missed me. Um, so I'll have to check that one out uh, as well. Yes. So there you go. We did it, Alice. We did a podcast. Woo! We uh, we we talked about movies, and now you can go watch the sunrise in in Australia. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's another like hour. Or yeah, so yeah, away? it's still so. another hour from sunrise. But you know, <laughs> yeah. just take your time. You know, walk out to the deck, whatever. You know, grab a cup of coffee, and eventually the sun yeah. will come out. Eventually. Exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, huge thanks to producer Phil for producing the show uh, today. Love you, Phil. Thanks to Drew for thank you, do- Phil. doing the artwork. Uh, appreciate that as well. And a big thanks to Alice for being our guest guru today. Uh, well done. Yay. Really loved having you on. We're definitely going to have uh, have you back sometime. Um, so oh, tell, us, tell us, I know you actually wrote the review that's up on Sif Pop right now uh, for one of the movies we talked about today. So tell people where they can find that and where they can find you online. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I actually wrote the review for Cruella. So if you want to hear about my thoughts a little bit more, go over to sifpop.com and check that out. Um, I also have a monthly column I do called One Stop Pop, where every month I pick uh, a very successful form of media, whether a TV show or movie from the month before, and recommend other forms of media based on it. So, for example, the most recent one I did was the Oscars, and I recommended a TV show, a podcast, not this one, just... (laughs) (laughs) biases um but uh, a book and also i believe oh i don't even remember the other one but so so there you go bit of a surprise there there is a fourth one i recommended um and i'll be making the one for may very soon as well um other places you can check me out is letterboxd i have one there where i put in my little ratings and quick two-line review on all the movies i've seen and rank them every year um you can find me there at ali g mick a-l-i-g-m-i-c-h on Letterboxd and Instagram. And then finally, something I wanted to shout out was uh, a couple friends and I have been making our way through the entire Disney catalog. Um, We are currently at 1966, I believe, uh, but we are actually taking a break right now because we realized that one of us hadn't seen any of the MCU. So we're taking her through that and then we'll be coming back to the rest. But you can watch our whole journey on the Instagram profile once.upon.com a dot marathon um at once upon a marathon and there we every time we watch one we put up our uh review as well as maybe a line or two about it um and yeah you can check it all out there the comments are asking what letter is h uh that would be uh an h uh over here (laughs) so (laughs) yep (laughs) no stress no no stress alice no stress no stress no stress all good <laughs> uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters as well. We really appreciate you. You can uh, get a whole bunch of fun stuff. You can check that out at patreon.com/sifpop. Uh, we love you guys and we appreciate you so much. 
Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. You can leave a comment, a rating, a review, whether it's at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, that always helps us out. And if you want to send us an email, you can do that as well. I hear people still use email occasionally. It's feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like this sh- show too. So let them know about it and that listening is much easier than holding a microphone and a shotgun at the same time. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with some more reviews. Still kind of looking at what's coming out. Probably Conjuring 2, maybe something else. Um, but we will see you then. Bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.